game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Made list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D dynasty. It it's automatic owner's manual. It it it's automatic D dynasty. It it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors, C Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm Chris Allen, the co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. And I'm Adam Wildy, the other co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. I'll get us started with the foreword. Debbie Owners Manual, Best Ball Owners Manual. You're going to hear about it every week, and they're doing a great job. Still, uh, Debbie Owners Manual is huge right now because I just can't say it enough how much of a competitive advantage you get by starting now uh, in your rookie drafts, whether you play Debbie or not. Uh, to know these names now is going to make a huge difference come next year we actually recorded our first episode with dlf today so us as the dlf video guys uh exists now uh we were just on youtube and we did some mailbag questions so if you have mailbag questions just hit us up on twitter you know we'll we'll put the link out there but you can hit chris or i up on twitter and we'll get to them we'll get to them on the show and we can talk to you live yeah, I think that'd be – I would love to get some more questions just to generate some more conversation between the two of us and, of course, the uh, the good folks that happen to tune in to us uh, live on YouTube whenever we do the mailbag. I think we're going to try and shoot for Wednesday evenings uh, about this time frame. So check our timelines, and uh, we'll retweet like whenever we're about to go live on YouTube and do that. So uh, we're trying to aim for an open bar s like type of feel to it. So uh, the good folks, uh, you know, Mr. J, Mike, Mr. Gabe Gearing, I mean the the pioneers of having a long winded dynasty discussions. But we we're definitely trying to foster that type of atmosphere uh, when we get on when we get behind the mic and get on camera for you guys. But uh, enough of that. We're now. Two weeks, three weeks past the draft, people are getting into, they're doing startups, we're doing uh, rookie mocks, we're doing rookie drafts. I mean, so many of these things that are going on right now, and you can get into rankings, if that's your thing, and argue about that all day long, because that's pretty much what everybody's doing right now on Twitter. Uh, between that and arguing about whether or not Jerry Rice was a good wide receiver or not, I don't know why we're still having that debate. Uh, but regardless... Uh, when it comes to looking at your roster and assessing your roster and figuring out what you what you need or what you need in order to, I guess, uh, have your team take that next step, there's a little bit more to it than it comes to saying that, well, I'm just going to draft, uh, you know, whomever I might be able to get my hands on or wherever, whatever my pick dictates, uh, that's what I'm going to go for. So in assessing roster needs, roster construction, and how that's going to affect your draft, uh, we brought back uh, a wonderful guest tonight, uh, Mr. Debro himself, uh, Derek Brown. I mean, Derek, how you doing tonight, man? <laughs> Guys, first of all, I, off the top, I got to say thank you for having me back. I'm doing good, man. I got a drink poured, and it is middle of the week, so we are inching 
that much closer to Friday. So it, it, yes. like, it's a good day. It's a good day. Good night. Whatever. Cannot complain myself. So uh, tip up your cup if you got something in the in it for you. So, But let's go ahead and hop right into it, though. So when it comes to your draft philosophy... Uh, I know some folks draft for need, as I was just kind of laying out in terms of, all right, well, my wide receivers aren't looking so hot. I mean, I've got I've got A.J. Green. He's about to, you know, he maybe has a one year, two years left. I mean, what am I going to do? So I'm just going to look for the best wide receiver in this class. I'm going to target that guy. Or other folks, they take the best player available route and then try and get as much value out of their draft pick as possible. So I wanted to open it up at least to you, and Adam, definitely join in as you can. But, I mean, Derek, how do you approach uh, approach the draft? Do you go for drafting for need, or do you try and go the best player available type route? I feel like the only way you're going to win and capitalize on value and talent just every single time is BPA. You go best player available every single time, and people are going to say, well, look, my roster is – I'm stacked at wide receiver, and I'm garbage at running back. But it, in this draft, there's nothing but wide receivers. There's nothing but running back. Like, like I need this player to complete my team. No, what you need is a good player, and you might not be getting that good player at that spot it, regardless of it. So I'm all about you draft the best player available – you draft him, and then you trade for what you need yeah. because it doesn't matter. Like need is a subjective thing. Right now, we are in May. Football is not in May, so need right now is all subjective. We could have three guys blow out their ACLs in week one of preseason, and and some guy could own all of the handcuffs. And as far as running backs. And say, well, damn, man, I need a running back. Guys blow their ACLs and they're like, I don't need a running back no more. So need is super subjective. But if you draft for talent and opportunity, you are giving yourself the best shot to win regardless. Because even if you are just overloading in depth, that's the great thing about Dynasty, man. You trade for Mm -hmm. what you need from that depth. So, no, you always go with the best player. That's where I stand with it. I don't know how y'all feel. So this offseason, I've learned that I think more people draft for a need than draft for they do. Uh, best player available. But I've, I've learned that this is something that needs to be talked about because here's a fun exercise that I did to point this out. Two players I really like are David Montgomery and Paris Campbell. I knew that they were back and back. And ADP. So I went looked at DLF ADP. David Montgomery's the rookie 106 and Paris Campbell's the rookie 107. So you don't have to move much from Paris Campbell to get to David Montgomery, right? When you're in the realm of the rookie draft, which is why we always advise to trade during the rookie drafts. But when you get outside the realm of the rookie draft, you've got David Montgomery sitting at 71 overall in total ADP. You have Paris Campbell sitting at 118 overall in total ADP. So you're dropping back 40-some spots in one pick in a rookie (laughs) draft. So you've got notables like Sammy Watkins and Kareem Hunt around David Montgomery. Well, you've got notables like D.D. Westbrook and Larry Fitzgerald around Paris Campbell. And those are one pick away from each other. So see yourself at the 106 spot and saying, man, I'm really, really stacked at running back. I need a wide receiver here. Paris Campbell landed with the Colts. I'm going to take Paris Campbell here. 
that's fine if you think that Paris Campbell's the best player available and he's going to skyrocket up the boards. But in terms of, you know, getting a trade done and getting value, draft David Montgomery and trade for Sammy if you need a wide receiver or another wide receiver that's around David Montgomery that you believe in. You do not sacrifice value for a need ever because, like you said, Derek, need is subjective anyways. And in a rookie draft, you have to face the fact that a lot of these players are going to bust. You draft them because you you can. I think that I like to look at rookie picks as, as luxury picks. Um, if I need something, I'm just trading the rookie pick. I'm not even going to draft if I really need something. Because why are you going to take a shot on a guy that you have no idea about when you can trade the 106 for somebody who... Let's say Devonta Freeman, who's had, you know, a one overall season, and he's still relatively young with some injuries. You don't need to draft guys in this draft. So here's my thing: if you need a player, don't even draft. Trade that pick. And if you don't need a player, go best player available, and maybe even trade them for a guy around him. Well, the other thing I'll say very quickly too is that if. You're in a league and you know how your your league mates play and you know you, you know the rosters. Like if you trade and you're active, hell, sometimes you know other people's rosters better than you know your own. So if you're looking at, okay, well, this guy in my league has he's stacked on tight ends, he's stacked on running backs, but his wide receivers suck. And at this spot in the rookie draft, the best player available is a wide receiver. Say it's A.J. Brown, somebody like that, and you know your league, and you're like, all right, I think I can grab, I'll add something to A.J. Brown, and I'm going to go grab me a running back that I need, but I'm going to go with A.J. Brown because he's the best player available. You scout out your league, and you take that BPA, and you flip it for what you need, but that's part of working the trades, and sometimes it can backfire on you, yes, but if you have multiple teams in your league that you know you're grabbing the best player available and there are other teams that super are dying for that position, you grab the BPA and you flip them for where they're heavy at for what you need. I think that's the best way of looking at it. And then I think you guys both made, I guess, the the main points or the critical points when trying to weigh drafting for need versus BPA. But then also, I'll take it another step, and let's try and throw in some a uh, little bit of practical application on top of this. So if you're saying that right now that you, let's say, let's take the case of a wide receiver. Let's say that you need a wide receiver. Your roster is, is hurting. You need production right now. So let's look at how many wide receivers, at least within the first round, you guys really think are going to wind up actually hitting or providing you with immediate fantasy production in year one. We've got what Nikhil Harry. I mean, we Maybe. see it. We, we see a path to at least we see a path to targets with the right. Patriots. I mean, AJ Brown, sure, but what type of production? I mean, what level of production do we really see him really see him getting? I think the I think there should be a decent sized volume there for him. But what are we talking about in terms of in terms of ranking? I mean, if we're talking about volume, like you can throw DK up there. Uh-huh. Third, uh huh. But so even that seems murky. It, it, right, it doesn't matter. They're all that, that, that's, that's We're going to get into a totally different show because I'll, I'll, Nikhil, I'll jump in here real fast. I think that there's Nikhil Harry for volume, and I think there's a wide gap between even the second guy here. That's, yeah. that, that's 
Because yeah, there's if you're a saying that huge you need, gap. If you need a wide receiver, your options for needing that wide receiver are really just one guy. I mean, that's really yeah. what it falls down to. Because everybody and for else, me, yeah, I agree. Because yeah, everybody made. else can just is just in a bucket, and you can just say pick a name out of a hat. And then say that, all right, well, that person now it winds up in a similar situation or could be viewed in the same way as that as the rest of those wide receivers in that particular tier. Same thing for running back. Apply the same methodology for running backs. We've got Josh Jacobs. We've mm-hmm. got David Montgomery. Yep. yep, three guys. And maybe Miles Sanders, if you yep. believe that he is going yep. to overtake that job. We've, so and even got, if he thinks that Todd Gurley's hurt, you still can't rely on Daryl Henderson because for whatever exactly. reason, they like Malcolm Brown. Exactly. Dude, when everybody loves that so much, but it, here's the thing. Even with Henderson, and I get everybody relies on what he did in college, he needs one to two injuries, and that's even like in a small sample size. Like You're talking yep. about Dynasty for forever. Yeah. Gurley's contract is stacked. Yeah. For the next two years, you need absolute. So what? You need absolute. Gurley misses this year. He's going to come back next year, and if he plays next year, Henderson is still a flop. Yeah. Like, so what? So yeah. there's not there's nothing you can do in this draft to fill a need because I love Nikhil Harry. He was my one and one forever until Josh Jacobs took it over, and it's still a tough decision when I'm on the clock. But I can't even guarantee that Nikhil is going to grasp that playbook right away so here's what you do trade for ty mm-hmm. you know it yeah. your need isn't in this draft so here's what i'm going to wrap up the question with if you want to go best player available and draft for a need fine trade up trade up so that yep. the player you need is the best player available right if you think that you need a rookie wide receiver to produce for you right away Trade up to the one hundred one or one hundred two. That's that's all you can do. That's really I'm it. Because you've got what, I'm five I'm not taking Paris Campbell over David Montgomery because I think I need a wide receiver as much as I love Paris Campbell. That's why we had that exercise. So yeah. if you think you need a wide receiver and you're sitting at one hundred six, you better package somebody for the one hundred one. In my opinion, yeah. I'm 100. I'm 100 with that because as we just listed out, you've essentially got about five options, about five guys that we could see having projectable volume in in their first year. Past that, it's just nothing but a bunch of murky situations or just bad situations that mm-hmm. we can't really project a ton of fantasy goodness for. So if we can't even project what we need or players that we could use in in year one that we need. Why try and put that much, I guess, time and headache into doing that and just take the guy at value and then trading for what you need, trading for that, I guess, quote-unquote security, knowing a a player's value within their particular offense. So if you want to trade for a player of T.Y.'s caliber, you know what you're getting in a player like that. So why try and force it on a rookie when they're already veterans producing at that level that you could use, that you could need on your roster? If your age is somebody else that's right around the 101 is DJ Moore. I mean, if you need somebody that's up and coming, but we know that DJ Moore can hit, then trade the 101 for DJ Moore and don't take the chance on Nikhil. That's, I think what we're all trying to get at here Mm -hmm. is that you're not even able to draft for need in the draft, let alone should you. Right. No, and I I agree. And I think that the way I've approached rookie drafts, just real quickly – is that if you're in Superflex, you trade into the one one of the top four spots, 
you grab Kyler, one of the top three running backs, or you trade. There, there are three sweet spots into the in this rookie draft for me. In a super flex, it's top four or late first, and then I'm looking at tight end position, or I just trade back and grab a bunch of seconds. If it's non super flex, then screw it. Yeah, like uh, give me one of the top three positions because obviously the quarterback falls down, and I'm going to grab one of those top three running backs, or again forget it and give me a, a, a handful of seconds and I'll just grab up volume, mm-hmm. then that's fine. Yeah, and, and that that's the way I look at it. You either go get your dude that is going to gain value or you say, nah, forget it. I'm going to go back and I'm just going to pick the best player available and go volume-esque with it. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way I look at it. Thank you for mentioning tight end because you should never, ever, ever draft a tight end if you need a tight end. There is absolutely no point to it. And you can say, oh, but this cl- this year is different. Okay, so was O.J. Howard, David Njoku, Evan Ingram. You know why Evan Ingram produced in his first year? Because the dude could play slot wide receiver and there was nobody else to pass the ball to. You know how many other times that has happened? Not very often. Maybe Julius Thomas was the last time. How much of an outlier was that? So TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, Irv Smith, they're fantastic, but you need to be prepared to wait on those guys. So even then, are you projecting that you need a tight end in three years? Because right. if you're not, you need to take that 109 when Fant's on the clock and say, hey, O.J. Howard owner, I'm sure you would love Noah Fant right here. Let me take O.J. Howard, who's been through his tight end three years, and I'll put O.J. Howard on my roster. You can wait the next three years on Noah Fant. That's although, what I would expect. Although I am liking some – I really am starting to warm up to Irv Smith with all this Kyle Rudolph might be moved and they're in cap hell types of uh, yes, cap hell right a, now. That's so, a real oh, dude. That's a real I think we were on this last year. I think we were on this last year talking about contracts, and I was like, sell Kyle Rudolph then. Yeah. You did on this podcast. They they were going to pay those two wide receivers, and Kyle was the guy that was coming up with no dead cap that Mm -hmm. was going to be the hit, whether it was the wide receivers or, hell, even if you talk about the defense. Right. They were paying other players there, and they were going to grab another tight end. That was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, but TJ Hawkinson's going to be the clear cut starter. No offense, clear cut starter. Irv Smith, if Rudolph gets traded, clear cut starter. Still probably going to be three years. There's been plenty of rookie tight ends that have come out and started that have taken three years. David Njoku started right away. Howard started right away. Ingram started right away. And you can talk about Ingram all you want, but. He fell into the exact perfect situation, and that's why we call him an outlier because that was an outlier situation. So if you want to draft for need, trade out of it and go get Njoku or Howard or Ingram and let somebody else start their three-year cycle with uh, with Fant. So this has been an excellent conversation. We get fired up every time we get on the show with you, Derek. We're going to go so, ahead and get started on the next question. And- before we get to the next, i got to give a little love section right here. So if you're talking about tight ends, I say get rid of your late first, go upgrade your position, grab a fourth, and anybody that's on Twitter, I've been tossing a lot of love, get your upgrade at another position, grab the fourth-round rookie pick, and grab you some Foster Moreau, and thank fourth. me later. Okay. Yeah. That works for me. So the next question is just slightly off the topic that we just hit. I just want to talk a little philosophy here. What is easier for the average dynasty owner? Because we know people always want to do the easiest thing, and maybe this is the root of all the problems. Derek, we'll start with you. Do you think it's easier to go best player available, or do you think it's easier to draft for need? 
I think it's easier for them to just snap reflex, look at the roster, and draft for need than going best player available because best player available is going to take some more work. You're going to have to sit here and stack another position, possibly, to get what you need. So I think that people are going to probably take the other route and talk themselves into saying, all right, I need a wide receiver. All right, I'm going to get Paris Campbell. I'm going to hope that he's going to sit here and be all the hype that I love and I want out of him instead of really looking at it and saying, damn, man, most wide receivers do not hit in their first year and you can go trade for them in the second year for cheaper than what you drafted them for because I can promise you this right now. Unless Paris Campbell comes out and just has a baller season, he is not going to be worth a first-round pick next year. You're going to be able to go get him like a Christian Kirk or somebody like that who was like into the first last year. For I mean, what's Christian Kirk worth right now? Mid second, thereabouts. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, not many people are going to fall like an entire round. But how many people are you going to see that are going to return at least the same value? that you invested in them to get them. And so I think that what most people are going to look at, the easier route for a lot because they don't have to trade, because they supposedly filled their need, is to just draft for need, which is the wrong way to go about it, the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. And I have a, I just placed a bet with my brother because I recently moved Josh Jacobs to my 101 and Nikhil to my 102, even though Nikhil has been my 101 for this entire process. And I'm team wide receiver just as much as anyone. If you look at some of my rosters, it's just like 50 wide receivers and five running backs that might mm-hmm. do something. Yeah. I get that. But here's what put Josh Jacobs at my 101 and Nikhil at my 102. I think Nikhil's going to be a lot cheaper next year. And I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a lot more expensive next year. So, where I might like Nikhil more than Josh Jacobs as a prospect, which honestly I do. I think that Josh Jacobs is going to step into the Raiders' offense. I think he's going to get a boatload of touches. I think the dude's explosive. He looks great on film. He's going to flash. And then I can sell him for Nikhil plus a lot next year, just like you said. I mean, even Calvin Ridley, who had a great rookie season, is not that much more expensive than he was last year. He would probably take the 105 now and 105, 104. Well, no, no, I'll take that back. He might be right around Nikhil, but he's not going to skyrocket to what have we seen these rookies get up to Nick Chubb's level. I could see the same career arc for for Josh Jacobs, and Josh Jacobs gets a full season to start. Remember, Nick Chubb had to deal with some Carlos Hyde, and he's still getting Mm -hmm. close to the first round. So that's where it gets to the point where it's like, I want to take Nikhil. You might want to take Nikhil, but I think the best, most valuable player is going to be josh jacobs it's not the easy thing it's uh it's very difficult to trade me and chris just talked about this on the dlf show trading is probably the hardest aspect of dynasty uh fantasy football but it is that's how you create absolute monsters is by taking josh jacobs when you don't want to because prom i promise you when i see josh jacobs and Nikhil on the board at the same time i want to take Nikhil. But I have to be disciplined. I take Josh Jacobs, and I'm going to be watching Josh Jacobs' first season very, very closely. And the second that Nikhil is doing poorly and Josh Jacobs is absolutely crushing it, that's a deal I'm going to be looking to make very quickly. And I think I would say, especially with this class, I could be biased, though. It does seem like 
drafting for need versus best player available becomes the default decision because if you look at people's rankings pre-draft and then now post-draft after these rookies found their landing spots ton of jumbled up rankings man so you want to tell me you mean to tell Mm -hmm. me that somebody that put what three months into these rankings studied this tape you know went through and said all right well these are going to be this is my top 10 and this is my top 12 and now some of those guys that they had especially either towards the fringe or back end of that top 12 probably aren't even in their top 12 anymore to be quite honest with you depending on who they had ranked (coughs) butler exactly So now you want to tell me that that same person is going to have the discipline to now say, all right, well, despite the fact that I put all this research into it, now I'm just going to, I'm going to have to suck it up. And now I'm going to have to take, I don't know, Miko Hardman, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, ahead of A.J. Brown, you know, something like that, where you, you see now that the situation now has to take precedence over what we saw to be great talent and what we were hoping would wind up being a good situation. But when it comes to fantasy, we have to take all of those things into into context. We have to take all those things into consideration. So, yeah, it, I mean, drafting for need becomes the default thing because we want to root for these players that we spent so much time researching. But now that we have landing spots associated with them, it's hard to make that decision to say, i, I got to pass this guy up. It's just it's not going to work out for me. He's not worth that 104, that 105 that I was hoping to pay for him when it first started out. Because AJ Brown, he was my he was my wide receiver one. I am not going to pay mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. 104, 105 for him. I, I can't do it. I mean, no, you can't. Now, and, where you split hairs with it is then you say, all right, fine. I'm gonna either trade up and I get my dude, or I'm gonna trade back and then I'll get my guy and get the best player available. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Exactly. And I just want to add the disclaimer before we move into some more kind of mellow conversation. You know, Derek comes <laughs> on the Derek comes on the show. You drink a few extra beers, you get fired up. But I'm not trying to disparage anybody that wants to draft for needs. Certainly, do whatever you want with your roster. Definitely, no nobody. Adam, you're being too damn nice like now, man. No, you draft do, your best player available. You, no, do what you gotta do. <laughs> do what you gotta do, but. Make a roster that people look at and say that's a monster by drafting best player available and just keeping tabs on them. Bookmark those players. Remember that you didn't want to take them. Remember that you wanted to take A.J. Brown at 104 and instead you had to take Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. And then when Miles Sanders blows up, just be like, <laughs> now I get A.J. Brown plus like 10 other things. Exactly. So now we're going to get into a little more of the roster construction stuff, the more fun stuff, the stuff that's going to help you a lot, uh, a lot right now. It's the time of year where we start figuring out needs, and uh, it takes a really long time for me to say you should actually care about your starting lineup. I'm still not quite there yet. You know, you'll hear me talking to people on Twitter, and I'll say you don't need a starting lineup right now. <laughs> uh, keep keep gathering the best value you can until you absolutely need a starting lineup. But Derek, how do you evaluate team needs now that we're getting closer to the season? At this point, right now, there is no need still. For me, you make smart moves, and that if that is you still foregoing running back to take a stud wide receiver and a slam dunk trade, then you do that. And then you flip the stud wide receiver later. I think it's all about value right now. There is no need. If you can stack value at certain positions, if you make smart moves, and when I'm saying make smart moves – you make good trades that increase the value of your roster. 
And if, the, if that's in Superflex, if some dude is willing to sit here and throw you a bone and say, all right, I hate um, this certain quarterback. I hate Jimmy Garoppolo. I hate Mariota. I hate whoever. And they're willing to throw you a quarterback on the super cheap, which in Superflex, quarterbacks are one of the most valuable commodities especially in deeper leagues. You look at 14, 16 teams. If somebody says, I hate this guy, they're willing to throw you a mega value trade. Then you say, all right, fine. Like, I really need a running back, but screw it. I'm going to take the value right now, and I'm going to flip that over on its head when it gets closer to the season. You accrue value, and you move it for your needs later. I still don't think we're at need spot right now, and... If you get so, I'll I'll preface this with: if you get the trade that aligns with what you feel like you do need for your roster, if you are, say you stack with old wide receivers, say you're stacked with a bunch of guys that have high injury risk and they're on that cusp, and you're like, I can't trade them because I'm not getting value, like your AJ Greens. Uh, your older wide receivers, like even a Julio, Mm -hmm. that you're not going to get monster value back for if somebody's willing to sit here and give you a good trade, then fine. Go ahead, take it. But I'm not at the need spot right now. I'm still at you build value and you accrue assets and you flip them later. Derek, that goes back to my new favorite term, which is bookmark those players because it's the non-point scoring season. And uh, shout out to it's Russ. true <laughs> by, by our boy Russ. <laughs> Not point scoring season. So, for example, I pulled up actually Trade Addict Six Russ's league, and I have a few players bookmarked, and that's Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, two players that I understand you might not want to spend money on right now. You mentioned mm-hmm. AJ Green, another bookmark player. Bookmark them, wait till they're scoring at a very, very high level, try to trade again. Just understand your league mates are just as weary as you are. That's why you're shopping the guys. But I'm telling you, those players are worth more the, this season than they're worth now. We talked about uh, Leonard Fournette on the show just a couple minutes ago, and he's a player you have to bookmark. There's so much stink on that player right now. But when he starts putting up 20 points a game, sell him week four before he can injure his ankles again. You know what I mean? So Look, look at the value on a, on a guy that I tried to even flip that I have. I, I literally have him everywhere. I have him on probably like 80 or 90% of my rosters all my startups this year because the value is so down bookmarks and Devonte freeman if you can Dude, go get him yeah, cheap yeah. right now yeah. holy shit get him now on your team for pennies upon what he is going to be even in training camp and when the first training camp video flies out on twitter and he's rolling through agility drills and you're like bam i'm gonna strong spike the hell out of you in this trade Get that value, man, because he is going to – you've got to bookmark him right now. That is one of the monster guys right now for me. Well, yeah, I just look at what the team line. did. I mean, they invested so much into their offensive O-line. line. It's yep. O-line. It's it was, just, it was all what O-line. Need? Yep. It's, I, I, I mean, like, really. And, and who's behind him? What, Ito Smith? Ito. Oh, come on. Ito was garbage last year. And what you got, Brian Hill? Yeah. yeah. Even if you want to keep Devontae Freeman, cuff him with Brian Hill. Who yeah. is on yeah. your waiver wire? Like it, it's it's just money all day for me. Like yeah. hold Devontae Freeman, let him ball out for two weeks, then trade him for just like what two twenty twenty firsts for the guy who needs a running back like crazy bad. 
Yeah. It's gonna happen, man. As long as he doesn't like, like blow out another abdominal muscle, get a hernia, like lose a leg, or, like whatever the hell, it's gonna happen. He's You're gonna Keenan be able Allen to injury. reap the benefits, man. He's yeah. that Keenan Allen injury prone, where it's like, how can you even call a dude injury? It's just bad it just luck. Happens at the, yeah, exactly. Just bad him, luck. Call him unlucky. Leonard Fournette's one of the players that I can call injury prone. Same injury happens all the time. Um, yep. Secondary injuries happen because of the main injury. We get it. It's baked into his price. We know what's wrong with him. Devonta Freeman, you want to give me a discount because he's injury prone, because he's gotten these random injuries? Sure. <laughs> give it to me. I can't believe that he is that low. And that was a that was a great point that you made, Derek, because what if you invest in him now? You didn't need a running back. What if he was your your seventh running back and he's just a a screaming value. You don't get them because you already have seven running backs or you go get them and then you turn them into Swift and ETN next year. You know how crazy that would be? Oh my gosh. Because just because you decided to pick up your seventh running back. I mean, in trade addict six, I have 17 wide receivers right now on a, on a 30 man roster because they were the best players on the board and I'll trade them. I only have Mitch and Kyler at QB. I'll end up trading them, but, uh, Kind of what we were asking the question for, Derek, is that you you don't need them till you need them. You don't need them until yep. week one starts. And hey, there's nothing stopping you from making a trade the night before because you're not quite comfortable with submitting your lineup. You know, so you don't need them until you got to press submit and it's mm-hmm. Sunday. That that's sure. the only time you need them. Past yeah. that, until it's week one and it is Saturday night or Sunday morning, you don't need shit. You need value. That's what you need. I mean, really, that's it. I mean, because right now in May, why are you trying to worry about how the 2019 season is actually going to roll out? Why try and fret over something that it, we really don't have a clear picture of what these offenses are going to look like? I mean, come back to me in like the maybe the second week in August, like when we're talking about preseason mm-hmm. or something like that. Sure. I mean, come come talk to me towards the you know at the beginning of September, like you know when the season's about to start. But here in May. I mean, yeah, give me as much leverage as I possibly can so that if I do start to get a little wary about some of the team, uh, players on my roster, well, now I can flip them because I actually have something of value that other teams might want to actually trade with me for. Sure. Well, and I, and I feel like this is the time of year. It's it's a great spot to uh, – I'm on team uh, hashtag get your guy. So mm-hmm. you go get the players that you believe in. Like, right now, like, whether it's uh, he's locked into a secondary role. Like, dude, I, I'm I'm one of the biggest Dante Pettis guys you will ever meet in your life. I still believe he's the wide receiver one, man. <laughs> get, get, give me all the shares of him. Everybody wants to talk about Debo Samuel? Give me all the Pettis. Give me all the Ridley. Give me all these different players that whatever happened after the draft, if, if their price went down, I don't care if I need a wide receiver. I don't care if he's my wide receiver eight. Give them to me mm-hmm. right now. Get your guy. Yeah. Like, give me all the Robert Foster I can freaking handle right oh now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Dude. My gosh. Yeah, give true. me all of your shares of Robert Foster. I'm all here for it. I do not give a shit about John Brown. I don't care. All he did was make him even more of a value, and I'm here for it. I'm going to go ahead and say the only reason that I'll be talking about need here soon is because I'm the type of person with a lot of rosters that I have to work on one roster at a time. So it is getting pretty close to time that I need to start looking at what kind of players I'm going to start. Um, I'm not saying that everybody has to work that way. I know a lot of people can handle working on, I think I'm in 17 now rosters at the same time, 
but for, but for me, I like to just uh, look at one and say, okay, how am I going to make this one a champion? And, you know, it doesn't always work out. Nobody wins a championship in every single league. Sometimes trades don't work out, and I have to move on to the next league. But what we're going to do for the remainder of this show is let's fast forward and say that it is time to figure out what to do with your roster. Let's put ourselves in future roster shoes and say, okay, it's time to get a starting lineup together. Derek, I want to ask you, when you have a roster that, uh, let's say, isn't that strong, is there a specific type of wide receiver that you're looking for to say, you know, maybe I need to turn this thing around or maybe I need those guaranteed points? In the sense of like a high floor wide receiver or you're going boom bust? like we'll, Sure, like- exactly. So let's say that your your team is in bad shape and we'll do this for kind of each position and get both of your takes on it. But is there something that tells you that if your team's in a, in a bad way that you need to go and say, I need that player that's got the chance to be wide receiver one? Or are you saying, I'm just – got to stop the bleeding and go find my guy that's just going to get me those consistent points that I can rely on. So it really depends on the construction of my roster for me. And so I, I, and I'll use one of the teams I just took over. I thought I was out, man. I thought I was out. I had them all my dynasty leagues and somebody pulled me back again. Damn you swag. I hate you. Um, pulled me into another dynasty league. And so you take over orphans and stuff like that. Like, so if you're in the rebuild mode, it's my answer kind of depends on where you're at with your team and what you need. If you have a roster full of these high upside guys, then you might need to go after somebody like a, like a high floor player, a guy that might not be the sexiest, but he's going to get you guaranteed points every single week. Versus if you're in a rebuild, you might say, okay, I'm going to go with, and this is the way that I, I kind of lean this way a lot of different times because as if anybody wants to go back and listen to last year's episode, I am huge on contracts. It's my bread and butter. I feel like it is the, one of the best assassin ways to attack dynasty and really truly mine the true value of how teams look at these players and assess your roster that way is I like to go and look at contract situations for teams and say, okay, who is a young guy on that team that after this aging player is out of the mix because he's hit the dead cat falls off, i.e. a Cortland Cortland Sutton who, I mean, his value has dropped precipitously since rookie drafts. Or you take the cheaper version of him and you go for Deshaun Hamilton, who is, I mean, he's going to man the slot. Everybody that's high on Emmanuel Sanders is smoking something. I don't know, but you need to share because it's obviously really good because he snapped his Achilles towards the end of last year. So I will be, put it this way, if he plays this year, kudos to him. I love the player, but the the injury is, is insane. You have to look at what these team situations look like and who is the guy that I feel like I can get right now or get two of them and package them for a a proven player that next year I'm walking in and they could be stepping into massive volume. Like, what if Drew Locke is a good quarterback? What if he plays this year and he plays well? 
shit, I know it's crazy, but dear God, Josh Allen had flashes last year, and we all crapped all over him like it was a freaking, like, farm. It, it, it was insane. So, if he turns out he's good, you invest in cheaper assets like a Sutton, like a Hamilton, right now, and guys that could both see 100 plus targets walking into 2020 with Noah Fant, those are cheaper assets. So you look at contract situations and the way that I usually look at it is one year ahead and what are the guys that could take a massive leap? And I I like to term them as ascending assets. Who are guys that I feel like have nothing but ascension or at least the path to do so in the near future as in next season? Like a Tyler Boyd. Right now, I would be trying to get him in a lot of different spots right now. He is 24. He is still locked up in his contract. A.J. Green, they talk about re-signing him. He's 31 with a lot of foot issues, a lot of toe issues, all kinds of different stuff like that. What You have a coach that comes from a system that highly utilizes a slot wide receiver in Cooper Cup and is very good at not putting him into press or man situations. So if Boyd mm-hmm. stays in the slot, what is he, the next – Doug Baldwin, and you get him for cheaper than what he's ascending into? Sure. He could be the one walking into next year. I know it sounds crazy. I mean, yes, they could re-sign A.J. Green, but could they easily let him walk and Tyler Boyd balls out again with another top 20 season and he is the one walking into next year? Yeah, it could happen. Mm-hmm. So I like taking guys that I look a year ahead, look at contracts, and I'll look at do they have that clear path both in contract situation where they're locked up for the next two to three years and there is a path because of aging assets around them to major volume. But I want to elaborate taking your shots on those guys early um, because you're looking at the contract situations. Sometimes contract situation is the only thing you can point to as reason to go ahead and buy a player. Uh, Say Trey Quinn last year. Mm -hmm. You could just look at Jamison Crowder and say the guy's been banged up a lot and he's due to be re-signed and you could have gotten Trey Quinn for literally free because he was almost free in the NFL draft uh, Mr. Irrelevant that's the kind of guys you have to look at because now when you get to Tyler Boyd and you say oh Tyler Boyd could be the one next year when AJ Brown uh, when AJ Green doesn't get re-signed well a lot of people are thinking about that so that's good on you Derek for looking at that last year and getting Tyler Boyd when he's almost dirt cheap, and uh, and saying, and you can say the same thing. Uh, I'm not a John Ross believer. I know John Ross believer. Shout out to J Mike, but you can say the same <laughs> thing for John Ross. If you want to say that AJ Green's going to walk out, we'll talk about someone dirt cheap. Okay, John Ross has the draft capital, and he's going to walk into the number two role. Got a new coach, yada yada. Whether you believe it or not, this is the time to go buy players like that. You can't. You can't go say, uh, now I want Tyler Boyd because now I believe, well, Tyler Boyd has gotten expensive. So talking about uh, getting ahead of the game, this is going to round out our conversation today. Is there an edge to be had? Man, I hope I don't get yelled at for this one, but mortgaging the 2020 class for the 2019 class in any way. There is an edge if you can trade up or you can trade for better assets for right now. I feel like that. If you can trade into that top four in Superflex or that top three of one quarterback, then yes. If you can trade those 2020 assets, which 
there are some teams that I've mortgaged all of my 2019. I have mortgaged all, every bit of my 2020 for young assets now. There are there there are edges in that system. If somebody is willing to, if you can take a player and add that 2020 hype on top of it, and you can go trade for a young player, like say you can... Oh, what's a good one? Um, say you could take a Tariq Cohen, um, a player that I'm not uh, immensely high on. I think he's kind of hit his ceiling and he's going to fall back. I, I honestly think he could be this year's Duke Johnson. But if you even look at him as a as an RB2, which a lot of people do, if you can trade Tariq Cohen and a 2021st, and upgrade that to say somebody that I think could be a workhorse running back, like a a carry on Johnson and above, then I'm all for that because I feel like you are making a trade if you are getting rid of 2019 and 2020 assets to acquire ascending young talent. I mean, dude, you take a 21, 22 year old running back that you feel like is going to be locked into volume for the next two to three years. Hell, you just traded for your 2020 workhorse, but you did it now and you did it for cheaper than what he could be next year. Like, is Mm -hmm. it absolutely insane? If CJ Anderson does not do shit, if he gets hurt, if he gains weight, if he did whatever and carry on Johnson goes and balls out for an RB one season. Like nobody should be surprised by that. And next year he walks in as a top 10 dynasty asset, which right now I have him slotted higher than most, but most people have him in the mid-20s. And he gained almost double the value? Mm-hmm. That, that That's a win to me. On a guy that is still on his rookie contract, on his same team, in a stable situation, getting volume because the OC in the next, like, what, one to two years, and he gained value for you. That's a win for me, and that's where I feel like the edge is. I'm willing to to mortgage future picks to get young, ascending players like Carrion, like a Calvin Ridley, or cheaper like a Dante Pettis right now. I'm willing to mortgage those picks to get the young players that I feel like are going to gain value, and whether you keep them because you feel like they're ascending and they still have not hit that elite tier and they could do that, or they've gained value and you flip them for even more value, that's fine by me. I'm totally fine with you mortgaging all of your draft for this year and next year to do that and gain young assets. And I've got a a couple obscure approaches to pretty much the same thing that you just said. For one, I want you to go look and see if anyone's monopolized the 2020 class already anyways, especially in auctions. There are a lot of people mm-hmm. who have had the exact same idea as you. If somebody already monopolized the 2020 class, what is the point in you being in the 2020 class at all? So yes. buying to the 2019 class. Secondly, if this has been the theme of my offseason, we can't just will things into happening. I talked about it last week with Todd Gurley. We can't will Todd Gurley into being okay. We saw him not be okay, and that's all we saw. I would love for him to be okay. If he is okay, he's a screaming value right now all understandable but he's not okay just because we want him to be okay and 2020 is not great because we want it to be great the quality of player next year is definitely better than the quality of player this year i fully understand that but we had guys we liked this year and this nfl draft was an absolute massacre 
for player value. Why are we assuming that's not going to happen next year? Mm-hmm. I know what happened this year. I know where players landed this year. I can go get players this year at their value where they landed and not even have to worry about injuries that could happen next year, player landing spots that could happen next year, saturation at positions that could happen next year. We already saw a saturation at the running back position this year. That's why we have the RB3 being Daryl Henderson. There's nowhere for them to go. So what happens when Swift goes to a bad spot, ETN goes to a bad spot, CD Lamp goes to a bad spot? Well, you mortgaged your 2019 class for 2020, and now, darn, somehow DK hits and Paris Campbell's crushing it and Nikhil went off and all three running backs turn into workhorse. And it's like, dang, y'all really talked to me into 2020. To your spot, Adam? Also, what if those guys don't come out and you mortgaged all your stuff to sit here and bank it on a Swift or whoever? I haven't even, and I'll be honest, I do not dive into prospects until next year because I don't watch a lot of college tape. I don't watch a lot of college. I'm more into the NFL right now, here and now. But what if those guys do not come out and that 2020 class is not the monster and 2021 is the monster right with you know it's it's always a moving spot and you you've got to capitalize on the ebbs and flows of this because as much hate as the 2019 class got and everybody was talking about it myself included after landing spots there are a few guys that i'm like like head over heels in love with and there are guys that i'm not but for all the hate that the 2019 class got, how do we know that the next class is going to be any better? Like, yeah. we don't. We have no freaking clue. There's just no way in hell that you know that that is going to be a definite. And that's mm-hmm. not to poo-poo on the 2020 class because, like no, I said, I do not. understand enough to know that next year's value of player is better. But I also understand that the NFL is not a, a game where these guys run routes against each other and we grade the routes. That's not how the NFL works. You need 11 other players. You need a good coaching staff. You need a good organization. You need to not get hurt. You need to crush your pro day and your combine, even though they shouldn't matter. There's so much that needs to happen for this 2020 class to be that monster. And just little tiny things in the butterfly effect can change all those players. So so much. Give me the bird in the hand. And then guess what? If it is the monster, that would be fun for us, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to trade into it. You can still trade into it. So what I wanted to point out in this episode that was mm-hmm. so important is that there's a huge edge to be had in drafting in 2019, and usually I don't draft at all. Usually I trade for the T.Y. Hiltons and D.J. Moore's of the world, but there's so much value to be had because guess what? No matter how good you think that the rookie class is, the same thing happens every year. You get random Miko Hardman. You get guys that go to random spots. You get guys like Bryce Love that crushed it and then got hurt. <laughs> this is chaos. Just take the bird in the hand. Worry about 2020 when it comes. If you have to pay a little premium, you paid a premium to make sure that those guys survived the next year, including the gruesome pre-draft process. And I'll, I'll, I'll take a trade just straight out of my own back pocket. I gave a second-round pick in 2019 and a 2021 first to trade up into the top five of this year's class, and I landed David Montgomery. And and people are like, 
Well, no, sorry. I, I, I'll take that back. I gave a 2020 second, 2019 second, and a 2021 first. Which people are like, holy shit, you gave two seconds and a first to get a top uh, five pick to get David Montgomery? And I'm like, he landed in the nuts spot. Yeah, I, I love him. And you know what? Screw it. I'll worry about 2020 and I'll worry about 2021 when it gets mm, one, two years down the road and I could trade any one of my assets to get back into that draft. I worry yeah. about what's here and now. And if I feel like David Montgomery is taken at the 105 and next year I could trade him and get two firsts for him or a first and a second, even though I traded all that stuff, I'm down with that all freaking day because everybody plays on the what if of next year what if of the year after that what the hell is if you're playing for what if next year and the year after that you're not winning this year you will never win this year and you're not going to and that's just a sad fact because you're always looking into the future and you're not Mm -hmm. looking at your team right now that that's that's how i approach it and what's it really matter if uh etn comes out with a better spark score and a better combine and has a better year than David Montgomery had this year. That means and, shit. And he comes in and he goes to play behind Zeke. Right. Yeah. What's that matter? We did all that for nothing. And you still might end up drafting ETN way too early because he was so talented and he's just going to sit there and look pretty on your Adam, the, the best example I can think of two years running for what you're talking about right now and two guys that were just immensely loved and more of a case has been made for him this year than past year okay two guys that draft twitter just shit themselves over john kelly daryl henderson where the hell did they both go and draft twitter just loved them and i love i love some john kelly don't get me wrong i'm not as high on daryl henderson but But just what happened two years in a row the worst spot Right. Everybody's just like, as soon as that pick is announced, they're just like, oh, and like the they just punch to the nuts. Right. And the it's like, well, you know brain. what? Maybe you should have put a cup on, and yeah. you're investing in this year instead of next year. Yeah. And that punch in the nuts didn't hurt because you're just like, I'm good, man. I'm good. And the point of bringing that up was, if I've drafted David Montgomery at the 105 this year, and he does pretty well, which I think he will, I don't care if Etn next year goes to a bad spot. It doesn't matter. I already got David Montgomery. So yep. I'm just saying take the burr in the hand and then next year trade into 2020 if you need to or sit out 2020 and just look at your embarrassment of riches because you're getting half-off discounts this year. Could not right, agree with that. That's it, Chris. Yeah, I think that's everything, Derek. And, of course, <laughs> I mean, what was it? So it's been – I think we had you on. Was it like episode 13 or something like that like back in the day Somewhere talking about contracts? And we've come full circle now and using some of the same logic that we discussed uh, literally like a year ago for what we're talking about here in Dynasty. So I couldn't think of a better person to kind of bring that, bring that level of understanding like to the conversation tonight. So, of course, we thank you for coming and sitting down with us. But before we get you on out of here, uh, I mean, we want you to tell the folks about what projects you might have going on during the quote-unquote non-point scoring season. But, I mean, pimp your work, man, before we get you on out of here. The non-point scoring season has me putting a lot of pen to paper and my, my I'm losing finger print abilities right now because I've been typing so damn much. Um, nah, man, I am pushing out all kinds of different content, uh, content, dynasty content for, uh, fantasy data 
and uh, Dynasty content for Gridiron experts, as well as I'm uh, going to start working on some stuff for the Quant Edge in this coming season, both Redraft and DFS. Uh, I am finishing up all of my work for the Fantasy Black Book with Joe Pisapia. You have Matt Franchise up in there, Jake Seeley. There's some uh, big hitters in that book, and then there's me talking about tight ends and kickers, so I, I'm, I'm down for it. But that, that's where I'm at, man. I, I Look, I thank y'all for having me back. It's always a blast. I would come on here every single week and talk football with y'all. A great time. I love talking to y'all, even though uh, Adam, I'm glad he's not flexing on camera right now because he put us both to shame. But I, exactly. I love y'all to death, man. Thank y'all for having me back. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying. I'm actually going to see him in a few weeks, and so I'm, I'm trying to hit the gym a few times. So I can oh, you better, some, dude, you better. So I can stand next to him and not feel so small. You know what I'm saying? Uh, are you FedExing him uh, like some oatmeal cream pies or something like that? I need to like spike his drink or something like that. You do, in order you do. To, uh, yeah. Pay off his wife to sneak in some extra lard into his uh, protein shake. I don't yeah, know exactly. <laughs> Make him look a little bit more out of shape. He gets he, that little uh, dad donut at the bottom. Well, you, saw, you, you, you saw the workout video he posted. You know, that his brother posted on Twitter a few days oh, ago. Good God, I was like, oh man, I feel like I'm just gonna throw up just watching this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, th- this is the, this is what I have to this is what I have to work with here, man. So I mean, pray for me if you could, please. Oh, uh, I am, I am. Hey, my. Oh, but uh, of course, before we get you out of here, tell the folks where we can uh, find you at on Twitter. Uh you can find me at Debro underscore FFB, and uh, I will. I mean, I'm on there all day, every day, talking football, talking dynasty. Talking everything Game of Thrones and whiskey related, so hit me up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, the DMs are open, (laughs) without a doubt. Uh, Adam, without you not flexing on us or talking about your workout videos, do we have any other content for the folks before we get on out of here tonight? Yeah, don't fat me up too much because I have to literally carry you in a few weeks. And that's true. Part. Yeah, I actually <laughs> need you. An eighth of a mile. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Derek. Get fired up every time you come on. You listen to the show normally, and we've got our show sheet, and everything works out pretty smoothly. And then you listen to Derek's show. We we have a blast, and Just we take like we light narrow. It is on fire when Derek's on, so I appreciate you. I, I throw the brick in the trash can, guys. It's yep. just, yes, it is what it is. Exactly. Make um, some noise and make it interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead and check out our other two shows. They're doing an excellent mm-hmm. job. You can find uh, Debbie Owner's Manual and our show, Dynasty Owner's Manual, if you didn't know what you're listening to, on the DLF <laughs> Family of Pods. And then you're also going to find the Best Ball Owner's Manual on our feed. Um, Go ahead and subscribe, like, rate, retweet. Send us questions because we need to answer them now. And uh, thank you for listening. Absolutely. Uh, so for Derek, uh, for the Muscle Man Adam, and the I mean the UDFA out here trying to break ankles in his uh, late middle late twenties. Uh, I'm Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. We thank you all for joining us, and we'll catch you all next week. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.